Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon. This is Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast as we await to see who's going to go to the big dance, Wiz. Uh, down to four teams now. I think, if I had to say, I think the four best teams in football are remaining. How are you today? I don't think. Um, I think you could definitely make a case for that. Certainly, <clears throat> I don't think anybody would dispute about Kansas City and Buffalo, and Green Bay's been terrific all year, and um, Tampa Bay seems to be uh, playing their best football of the year, avenging two bad losses to uh, the Saints, and they went uh, uh, on the road, and they uh, they handled business. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there is a, a lot a lot of stuff going on. It seems like uh, the AFC battle is the two big gunslingers in all of football head-to-head, and uh, and the NFC is um, it is two elite, legendary quarterbacks who have both turned back time and uh, are playing at an unbelievable level. And uh, there's a lot of excitement for these two uh, championship games this week. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. I, you know, we'll get into details certainly about the two games and 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 on our thought process around it. I think it is incredible for you know for football fans out there to have Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers going head to head, and the, and the same thing. It looks like Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to play. Josh Allen's been brilliant this year. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I look back and I think Tom Brady has actually played. I want to say six or seven times in his career, he's played against the Green Bay Packers. Um, and I would say most of those instances probably against Aaron Rodgers, though a couple of those early games uh, were, were against Brett Favre. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, and, and we'll talk about it more, like I said, when we sp- speak specifically about these games. But those two teams met uh, many weeks ago, back in October. It was the worst game of the season for the Green Bay Packers. But, you know, at that time, I think I, I would argue that, that Tampa Bay w- was certainly not as strong as they are right now. Granted, that game was at home, and this one will be in uh, cold and potentially snowy Green Bay. I'm, I'm just really excited for football, and I think as football fans, we've been given a real, real treat for the two football games that we're going to see this coming Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I think you know an argument could be made that it was probably or you know the worst two games. Um, if you take the Green Bay's one game and Buffalo's one game, you know, it could be the worst offensive game both teams played all year, but there were mitigating factors. Um, certainly in the Buffalo game, they weren't at full strength and the weather was a little funky and the game was played a little odd to me. So, um, and Buffalo, all of the teams are not the same teams that they were when they, when they met the first time around, but We'll we'll get to that. Let's. Uh, I figured before we talk about what took place over this past weekend with the games, we would talk about. We'll talk about this coaching carousel that's taken place, and uh, the way this is, you know, shaping up here is uh, there are two kids left in a game of musical chairs, and there's only one chair left. That's the Houston Texans, and I guess at this point is. Eric Bieniemy and Josh McDaniel. I mean, I have no idea. I was completely shocked that Bieniemy didn't end up with the Chargers, but they decided to go in a, in a different direction with a defensive coordinator, young guy from the from the from the Rams, and um, all of these hirings. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm interested in what you think about Bieniemy because there's just something that 
it doesn't is not making sense to me. Is it he doesn't interview well? Are teams concerned that you know the look what happened with the Bears with Nagy and they thought they were getting an offensive genius? Uh, I don't know what it is about Bieniemy, uh, but. And remember, the only job that's open is the Texans. And the first go-round, like, the Texans interviewed, like, 10 guys, and the enemy wasn't even one of them. So I have no idea. I'd like your, uh, what your thoughts on Eric Bieniemy. I mean, I know you don't know. You're not watching, you know, the interviews or any of that stuff. But would you agree that there's something a little off about all of this? You know, it's kind of funny, too. If you think about it, um, and you you looked at the situation that the Kansas City and granted it's only one play, but the Kansas City Chiefs on that play call with their backup quarterback, fourth and inches, um, and, and the and the kind of scenario that was going on on the sidelines there, where you know uh, Andy Reid turned to Eric Bieniemy, they had kind of staged out if they had got to this particular situation, uh, what the play was going to be that they're going to run. Obviously, they didn't think it was they didn't think it was going to be Chad Henney running it. But it ended up Eric Bieniemy and you know, Andy. Reed asked Bienemy, "You ready to roll? Uh, ready to roll, Coach? We, we got this play, and uh, you know, yes, you know, there are amazing offensive weapons on on the Kansas City Chiefs, but Bienemy has been a name that's been talked about a lot. It's you know." Again, if if you're if you're a team and, and you see what the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to do as an offense with the talent that they have, and Deshaun Watson is a great talent in this league too, you would want to do whatever you could to kind of make that situation uh, as as a positive situation as you could possibly do. And I think not looking at a guy like Bienemy is, is is an injustice to your own organization and obviously to your quarterback. And, and, and that's the bigger thing around this particular job. You know, I think Bienemy has proven himself as an offensive coordinator, certainly. And I think the Houston Texans would be lucky to kind of engage him as their head coach and him to be, you know, leading the way here with, with, with the Houston Texans. But the Texans got a whole nother situation on their hands here. And if you're a guy that's actually looking for a job, how attractive is a job of a with the quarterback not potentially wanting to be there. And, you know, we can talk about trading partners and especially with this draft coming up and the amount of draft picks that a couple of those teams at the top of the draft hold. I think that's even the more interesting situation right now. But, you know, so that's what, you know, right now, do I think that the Houston Texan job is an attractive one? I think that's a huge unknown given we don't know what's going to be happening to the quarterback there. But, but, but going back to the enemy himself, so the Chargers are in this situation. They have a second-year quarterback. It seems like a match made in heaven. They have terrific offensive players, a young running back room that, that, that's very talented, Keenan Allen, a true professional. Why would they pass on the enemy, do you think? Complete conjecture. I don't know myself. I'm asking you a question that I, I couldn't even guess what an answer would be. Why would that team go with a young defensive coordinator instead of bringing an offensive mind to go with their second-year quarterback? So so it's puzzling, but when I dug a little bit deeper into the situation, I, I didn't realize that Brandon Staley was a three-year quarterback at, at Dayton University. And I'm not calling it a, a football powerhouse. Obviously, uh, they drafted Adam Troutman, the New Orleans Saints this year, out of Dayton. But... I was shocked to, to hear that one. So it, 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 to me, there must have been something in those interviews where his background as a quarterback, this Brandon Staley, and we've talked about both sides of the football 
for the Los Angeles Chargers and how attractive a job that is. The Chargers have won their last few games. He had to have absolutely wowed them, not necessarily this being an indictment on, on Biennemi, but maybe Brandon Staley was actually able to sell himself, especially given what he's done on both sides of the ball, both as a player and as a coach, defense coordinator, you know, with the Los Angeles Rams. And I'm guessing that that just happened to wow them, and, and, and the situation was such that they, couldn't, they, they felt that they couldn't afford to pass that up. That's the only thing I could think of. Let's say we go with that, but look at these other hires, offensive coordinators, receiver coaches, a coach who hasn't coached in years, defensive coordinator, another defensive coach. I mean, it's every it's every which way but loose except for Eric Bieniemy. I mean, it's not like it's just this one guy and they've had to hire him and he's an amazing We could go with that. But Arthur Smith, an offensive coordinator, uh, Campbell, a receivers coach, Urban Meyer's been out of football, hasn't been coaching. Uh, Sailor is defensive uh, coach from the 49ers. Uh, I mean, so it's not just one situation. All of these situations, you could make a case needs an offensive mind in there. Why aren't they all taking a pass on the enemy? Yeah, and, and actually, Peter King addressed this in his column this week. Um, uh, you know, just a, a, about the exact topic, you know, head, scratching his head as well. You know, we can we can start to discuss race on this issue because, uh, you know, certainly there's going to be a lot of noise made with this as it is. There's there's hardly any um, African-American executives at the GM spot in this league. And now, you know, in, in the coaching ranks, a guy like Biennemi, uh, and I'm not saying he should be hired for that reason. It should be on, on, on a meritocracy basis. But Eric Biennemi as an offensive coordinator has certainly proven himself and in in what uh, Peter King had addressed with his ability to interview and everything that he had gathered in terms of information was that Biennemi actually interviews extremely well. So, yes, to your point, all these other folks getting hired and Biennemi not certainly raises, you know, so I think raises some red flags uh, in terms of what's transpired here, uh, you know, for a guy that certainly had tremendous success as a coordinator in this league. Yeah, interesting, and like I said, you know, I think Josh McDaniel at one point maybe wanted to stick around with the Patriots, see how many championships he can win. I think he realizes that trains left the station, and he's looking for positions. So I don't know. I'm almost feeling like I don't know if compelled is the right word to use, but I don't know. Are the Texans with the Deshaun Watson situation almost compelled? to bring in the guy that Deshaun Watson wants? Yeah, but again, you know, there's a situation here where we, it goes even back further than that with Deshaun Watson. You know, he's, he, this was like a cherry on the Sunday with the fact that they didn't interview uh, Biennemi. He's got major problems with the organization, the way they've handled social injustice issues. You know, it sounds like, you know, Deshaun Watson, by all accounts, just wants out regard. I think, I think they could bring in his mom to coach the team and he might not want to do that. Like, like they're, well, I mean, I don't know, but it's not that easy, right? They, they he's, uh, he, he's being paid in the midst of, they just, sign him to a monstrous deal. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not so simple. I mean, it's not like, you know, his contract's up. Oh, Sam Donald, you know, whatever. If we say goodbye, we say goodbye. If we keep you, we give you. I mean, it's a, it's a different story and a different type of player. So, uh, I don't know how this drama is going to unfold and we're going to have to see, but, um, it, it, there, there, there's just something I think beneath the surface 
with the enemy thing, with all of these teams uh, that really could have used a, a, a coach like that mm-hmm. to come in and take, you know, their quarterback and uh, – and uh, not like I said, just with the Texans, with the, with the Chargers as well. A case could have been made for the Jets, the Jags certainly. Uh, with get you know getting uh, who are gonna have Trevor Lawrence uh, at the start of next year. So a lot of interesting things. We'll see how that plays out, but that's gonna be for future uh, podcasts. Let's get to the games that took. Can, can place, I? Uh, uh, I just want to ask you one other question. Do you, uh, j- just uh, just before we move forward here. Uh, I think the most interesting situation has opened up here, and I'm curious your thoughts on it. So we know Frank Reich uh, was was a uh, successful coordinator when the Eagles won their where Super Bowl. Uh, granted, they won that Super Bowl with Nick Foles. The announcement this week of Philip Rivers retiring. So is it almost a perfect combination if, in fact, that Frank Reich has a, a high opinion of Carson Wentz? Uh, that Carson Wentz ends up being the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts in 2021. Yeah, I mean, I could see Carson Wentz ending up there. I could see him ending up with the Patriots. Uh, I think there are, there are going to be better options, um, frankly, for the for the Colts than uh, than you know than than than. Uh, than just Carson Wentz. I mean, I think, you know, it's, you know, look, there's no, let's be realistic. There's no way the Texans are going to allow Deshaun Watson to end up with the Colts. So removing that from the table, if I'm the Colts and you're looking at quarterback situations way before you start thinking about Carson Wentz, you have to start thinking about Matt Stafford, who you bring him in there with that line, that defense, and Jonathan Taylor, you got something there. You you have a championship caliber team. They have a championship caliber team right now. Uh, so I'm not sure. I know the relationship, but I think every team is going to look up the availability of Matt Stafford first before they start contacting uh the Eagles about a potential trade. And, and then the situations with the two players are, are different. I mean, Carson Wentz has a, you know, a tremendously big contract attached to him while Matt Stafford is kind of free to do what he wants here. So, uh, I think Matt Stafford is is a player to to look out for there. You know, it's I, I, you know we've talked a lot about the Colts the last few years. We we know what happened with Andrew Luck. Uh, they've just had Anthony Costanzo, who has retired as well. This is a team that had massive cap room to start, and they get a little bit more with the retirement of Costanzo. So yeah, it's going to be. I'm looking forward to the off season. We as as we talked about many times, we start preparing for these for these for these next season as soon as we turn the page on 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 the end of the 2020 season so we're already kind of thinking ahead and uh, and, and there's a lot to debate here in terms of what what will transpire w- with a bunch of these teams and and the directions that they decide to go in and, and there's a lot of different pieces that can fall into place as a result you know you mentioned the lions dan can dan Ca- uh, campbell was hired uh six-year contract uh, you know, let's see what's going to happen there. But it looks like a complete revamp that's going on in Detroit too. But we'll, you know, again, we'll we'll be talking about this for a long time. We got a lot of preparation in the off season, uh, and, and we look forward to doing that. No, I, absolutely. And look, we're in a keeper league, um, and when you're in a keeper league, there is no off season. I personally have AJ Dillon, and I am going to be completely focused 
on what happens with Aaron Jones in the offseason. Uh, we'll get to all of that and, and, and the quarterback uh, situation and certainly the draft. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, um, you know, once the Super Bowl ends, there's a little bit of time off, but then you start really thinking about the uh, upcoming NFL draft and uh, and free agency and all of that and uh, a lot a lot of excitement, uh, you know, with with uh, with the draft and the, the potential and especially in New York with the Jets having that number two pick. So there's a lot to go over. We'll cover it all, but. Uh, Let's go over the recap of the games, and uh, I don't know, I guess we could start with the Saturday games. Uh, what, what did you make of the Saturday games? Anything surprise you, uh, or was it kind of as you expected? So Aaron Rodgers clearly remains on top of his game. Uh, I, I think, generally speaking, we, we felt that there was going to be uh, watching that Jalen Ramsey, Devontae Adams situation was going to be one to watch. And, you know, they definitely went at it all day long. I would say Adams had, uh, you know, obviously another solid game, uh, not as not as potent as, as we normally see, but uh, certainly the impact there. We, we talked about Tanyan being involved and, 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 he, and certainly Alan Lazard with that big touchdown. I think the biggest thing that came out of this particular ball game was the fact that for the first time all season we saw Green Bay employing all three running backs there was no injuries they they were really got uh, three guys involved in that particular game I talked about the potential of weather this weekend in, in Green Bay um, you know I expect a slightly different football game than we saw back in October where it was a 38-10 win uh, for, for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Packers. But the Packers' running game has been the part of the game in, in, in this one. That kind of surprised me how they kind of ran all three guys, and all three guys run, ran very effectively in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I guess starting with that game against the Titans at the end of the year, it kind of was a real trust level that started with A.J. Dillon, and, uh, and that's continued. The only problem is he really got hurt. Um, and he couldn't put any weight on his leg as he was coming off the field. I don't know what his status is for this week, but if it's that type of game, um, yeah, he's a much bigger back than those uh, than either Williams or Aaron Jones, and uh, certainly would be utilized. If not, uh, I guess the Packers, you know, going to probably run Williams inside tackle a little bit more. That's what they did last week. But uh, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, his efficiency is just amazing. It seems to me the only time the ball ends up on the floor is when a, a guy, a receiver drops a pass. I mean, Lazard had a big touchdown, but he dropped an easier one right in his hands. That would have been another 60-yarder. Um, so the efficiency that the Packers are playing with on offense is uh, is is amazing. The question, you know, will be is, you know, who can impose their will in this game where you have two um, clever veteran elite quarterbacks who've seen it all, everything, any defense has tried to throw at them, who could kind of like stop the other team? Um, now, you know, usually you'd say a team like Tampa coming into a cold, snowy Green Bay, but my goodness, how many games has Tom Brady played in that cold in New England where he looks so much more comfortable throwing the ball than the opposing quarterback. So I would say in most situations, or almost all situations, the opposing quarterback and team would have a big disadvantage. But, you know, with players like 
uh, Brady and Gronk and Godwin, who played at Penn State in the cold weather. I don't think that's necessarily going to be an issue. Yeah, and if Antonio, by game, the way, uh, if An Antonio Brown's on the, if he's able to play this week, we know he played so many seasons in Pittsburgh, also very used to this yeah, stuff. Absolutely, absolutely is, yeah, absolutely as well. Yeah, I didn't mention him because I think he's probably on the wrong side of questionable at this point. I think he's missed two practices in a row, so we'll have to see, but uh, I don't know. So, uh, we, you know, we've talked about the efficiency of the Green Bay game and, you know, wasn't really a surprise that they handled the Rams. I was surprised that Tampa Bay beat the Saints, to be honest with you. And I hate to say one play or one player cost the team a game or turned the game around, but I have to say, in this game, it, to me, it did. The Saints started the second half. They moved right down the field and scored. They stopped Tampa Bay. They got the ball again. It was kind of like middle, late third quarter, and they were moving down the field and hit Jared Cook for a big first down. They were entering Tampa Bay territory, and I don't know that it had the makings of a game that was about to be a 10- or a 14-point deficit, and he was carrying the ball like he was playing touch football in Central Park on Sunday instead of an NFL playoff game, and uh, – um, got the ball stripped, and the game completely turned around, and the Saints could never get their momentum back, and it was just turnover after turnover after turnover that. And again, I don't like to say one play in a 60-minute game turned the football game around, but it appeared to me that that play really did. And uh, So what, what were your thoughts on that play? And uh, the momentum after that, and uh, you know how how the rest of the game went, and uh, how do you, how do you see this week coming up? Uh, I, I think the one thing that came out of it too, and it kind of makes sense a little bit more now. I think you know Drew Brees came back from a, a, an injury that was actually even more severe. So you know you talk about the turnovers in this game. Michael Thomas not catching any balls is just 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 a remarkable situation. Uh, you know Tampa Bay has got a good defense, but more known for their run defense and their pass defense. You know, granted a good young secondary and a, and, a, and a growing young secondary. But, you know, I think Breeze is, is limitations. We saw it We saw it even before the injury, and, and those, those limitations were, were clearly on display, you know, afterwards. And Drew Breeze has had a great career. It looks like that's coming to an end. But, yeah, that play was a mounts to play, and the inability to kind of get that. I think not having Taysom Hill and not having um, uh, Latavius Murray, it was an impact in this game because they like to do different, th different things with those players. I think that impact impacted things as well but the team just couldn't get going against Tampa Bay and I think you know they look like a they look like a team that just kind of played out uh you know the, the string where not having kind of different dimensions on their offense really really hurt them in this game and like I said I, it, it looks like Drew Brees was playing this game in, in an even more limited fashion given the injuries that he was coming back from I agree with all of that, but when you're watching the game, it didn't look like the Saints were about to take over the game. Yeah, no, it, lead. no, no question yeah. about that. I, I, I remember a play a few years ago uh, that was much later in the game, but a, a momentum killer. And actually, uh, you know, you remember the play with uh, Alshon Jeffrey uh, when the ball went through his hands and ended up, you know, again, later in the game, but a, a, a boneheaded 
big mistake by a veteran player, and it's kind of the same type of situation where, as you mentioned, the Saints are going in, and, you know, there's no fans in the building either, which is a big difference, right? You know, playing in the Superdome uh, today is a lot different than playing in a few years ago. I think the impact of not having fans in the building to kind of, you know, build up that crescendo, if you will, uh, is an impact. So they don't have that emotional, you know, you're just kind of weighing, you have that play weighing on the team, and you don't have any fans bringing you back into the game. I don't care how much noise they're pumping in there. It's a big difference, and, and that play clearly, clearly killed all the momentum or any momentum that the Saints had moving at that point in time. Yeah, they were up seven, and they were about to go up two scores. On top of that, every touchdown that the Tampa Bay scored came as a result of a breeze interception, a fumble, uh, and, and they had a short field to work with. I don't think they were – I don't think Tampa Bay scored any touchdowns where they had to go 70 or 80 yards. So had they gotten up by 10 or 14 points and they could have played smart, uh, you know, mistake-free football, it might have been a different story. But that is the way it goes. And uh, now they'll take on an Aaron Rodgers team who rarely, if ever, uh, maybe the last time he did have that type of game was the game you mentioned early in the year, but we'll, we'll break that down on the weekend. So let's talk about the other, uh, the other pair of games that took place. Um, two, two wild games, um, the Ravens and, um, and the bills. And, uh, again, a similar thing, uh, where Ravens down seven points and, driving all the way down the field and uh, through that pick six, and that was all she wrote. Uh, so I, I guess instead of just talking about the game, where do you think the Ravens stand right now? Like, where are they going forward? Do they have any confidence that they can pass the ball? Do they need to get an Allen Robinson, a Kenny Galladay, uh, one, one of these re receivers, a Juju Smith-Schuster, somebody that can help them in the passing game, do you think? No, I, well, so I guess I would ask you, you're, you're actually saying that you think this is less on the quarterback and more on the uh, offensive pass-catching personnel. Is that kind of the, the direction that you're going in? Hello? Liz, you there? Hello. All right, so we lost Wiz there. Um, I, I'm not sure what's going on uh, with his phone, but, uh, but I'll, I'll continue talking about this. So, so you know, look, I think Marquise Brown has certainly come on in, in the latter half of this year. He's, he's played very, very well. Um, they've gotten 
They've gotten J.K. Dobbins involved in the, in, in the passing game now. We know what type of player he's going to be. But this team does not play well from behind. We've seen this on so many different occasions. We have a lot of evidence at this point. You know, look, he is not your typical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. That is for sure. Not a typical quarterback in any way, shape, or form. And when this team gets behind, that's a problem. And again, in this game, he got injured. So, you know, that was a bigger situation. They had to bring in Huntley. Uh, but Lamar Jackson coming from behind, it's not a great situation. He's not shown the ability to do that. I think a guy like Allen Robinson, as Wiz mentioned, would be a great fit here. I think Marquise Brown is, is, is a growing offensive player. Mark Andrews is an excellent tight end. We talked about the running game uh, at J.K. Dobbins, uh, you know, us, uh, Edwards, they still have um, uh, Hill here, Justice, uh, uh, Justice Hill. So, uh, you know, they, they, are, they are a good football team still, but they have to find a way to close these games out, especially late in the season and especially against really good opponents. So, you know, we'll see how that kind of shakes out. But, you know, it's been disappointing regardless to see how they've kind of played football uh, when they've needed to score and come back from behind. They've had the inability to do that. Uh, and then the last game we'll take on here is, is the Kansas City game. Uh, Cleveland had a chance to win this football game. Obviously, the biggest story was Patrick Mahomes going down in this football game. Kelsey continues to be a major, major story here for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he is just unstoppable on a week-in and week-out basis. Uh, like I said, it looks like Patrick Mahomes is going to be fine and he's going to play in this football game, uh, which is fantastic. I think the one thing that's very clear here, if Clyde Edwards-Hilliard is not playing in the, in the game, the, the running back that you're going to count on is Darrell Williams. Williams had an excellent football game. Um, he had 70-something yards rushing in this game. He can catch the ball. Uh, Le'Veon Bell looks done running in mud, if you will. Um, I just think at this point in time, Patrick Mahomes and this offense, they got McCole Hardman involved early. We know what Tyreek Hill did in this game. Uh, look, Cleveland, like I said, they had an opportunity to win this game. They couldn't close it out. I think they had a great, great first season uh, under Stefanski. But I really look forward to see what happens in this game. The Kansas City Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills, the two best teams in the conference, Josh Allen, they don't have a running game, but he is going to be doing some running. We know he's going to be doing passing. And, you know, hopefully the weather is not an impact in this particular game as well. They're expecting some rain. It's going to be a little bit cold, but I'm really excited for the game. Patrick Mahomes, we know how good a football player he is. We know what it means to what he, what he means to this team. And, and, and again, you know, the Buffalo Bills come in a, a really solid football team. However, they can't run the football. It's all on the shoulders of Josh Allen. Now, I will say this. The Buffalo defense has been coming on late in the season. They will be going against Kansas City at home. Kansas City will have some fans out there. I think the KC defense, remember late, late last season, how well they played. They are an underrated defense. So, uh, you know, look, I think it's pretty easy to want to potentially call for uh, an upset in this game, especially with, with uh, Mahomes coming in banged up. But you know what? The Super Bowl champions, they are the champions until somebody says they're not. Uh, I, I like Kansas City in this particular game. But we'll, we'll talk further about that, this game. Uh, I just think you have dimensions here where a team that cannot run the football, and that's the Buffalo Bills, going against a team with so much offensive capability. So if Mahomes is fine, I still got to favor the Kansas City Chiefs in this particular ball game. So... But that's going to be a wrap for Guru and Wiz on this one. Sorry we had some technical difficulties with Wiz on, on the other end. Uh, but we'll be coming back with a preview of the two games this weekend. I cannot wait, as I said, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going against the Green Bay Packers, the two veteran quarterbacks against the two young gunslingers in the AFC, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Really excited for the football games. I look forward to catching up with Wiz on that. So that's the Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're going to wrap up our uh, post-divisional playoff show right here. Uh, I'll wish you guys a, re- a good rest of the, of the, of the day. And uh, we'll be back probably on Saturday morning. We, we'll wait to get some more information just to see who's playing and who's not. Uh, look forward to it. But Guru and Liz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. And we got a lot coming up in the offseason, too. So you don't want to give up. You want to make sure you're subscribing to this podcast. Have a great evening, everybody.